You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, welcome to Culturally Determined. I'm your host, Arya Cohen-Wade, and my guest today is Kathy Young. Uh, Kathy, could you introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm a uh, contributing editor to Reason Magazine and Art Digital, which is a really exciting, fairly new publication on the Medium platform, which is kind of very politically eclectic, um, as am I. <laughs> you know, I'm also a columnist for Newsday, and I write for a whole bunch of other publications. I've been everywhere from you know National Review to The Daily Beast, so... Uh, that's me. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you for coming out today. So we're going to talk about a couple, uh, controversial topics today. Um, <laughs> the, the first one is, um, what everyone is talking about, which is, um, the nomination of, uh, Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court and the, uh, turmoil that his nomination is in right now with, um, accusations of, uh, sexual assault, attempted rape uh, against him when he was, right. Uh, a teenager and a young man. Um, and we're going to try to avoid the uh, play-by-play kind of uh, who's up, who's down, who's going to vote for him kind of thing and more talk about uh, the meaning Hi. the meaning of this. Um, and, and you wrote a piece about the, the entire Kavanaugh uh, thing uh, for Arc Daily. Is that how you pronounce it, Arc Daily? It's Arc Digital, actually. Arc Digital, sorry. And, and we'll link to that um, below. Um, yeah, so... Well, yeah. So, what are you? What are you thinking? I mean, I, I, I guess I'm. Right. Uh, you know, you see a lot of. You know, <laughs> I don't know how much you read um, the comments to like uh, YouTube videos or articles. You see, <laughs> you see a wide range of yeah, things expressed yeah. there no, that maybe I, I, normal people don't express, but you see things people saying right. like, you know, going from like boys to be boys to like clearly she's lying. To right. clearly he's lying, like I know yeah. he's lying just based on the way he was talking. I mean, I think that it's it's a moment that once again kind of reminds us of how intense the political polarization is right now. I mean, I'm kind of in an interesting situation because, you know, being kind of politically eclectic myself, I follow a pretty wide mix of people from really all over the political spectrum. And it's really just amazing where you see the kind of the opposite narratives taking shape, uh, where on one side, it's like we're seeing this clearly politically motivated persecution of a decent man who is being dragged through the mud with, you know, allegations that come from 35 or 36 years ago, which there's really no way to either prove or disprove. And this is horrifically unfair. And then on the other side, we're seeing uh, this chorus of people saying that, uh, you know, the fact that the, this nomination is even still sort of in existence after the account that we've heard from Christine Blasey Ford um, means that, you know, that this is a woman-hating society that doesn't take survivors seriously, you know, women's lives don't matter, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know... I, I think that uh, in terms of the facts, I mean, I think it is an incredibly difficult case. Uh, I mean, you know, I watched the hearing and, you know, I, I wrote about it. I thought, you know, Christine, uh, is it Blasey Ford or Blasey Ford, by the way? I, I In my head, I say I said it Blasey, but I don't watch 
cable news. So yeah, I, never, yeah. I never hear people pronouncing it. I just know yeah, it. Actually, so, yeah. I, mean, I think that let's just say Christine Ford. Uh, she certainly gave a very compelling account. Um, I mean, I think I, I, I've, I've written before, as, I, as you probably know, I'm not really very keen on the whole, you know, believe women thing, because I do think that there is, I mean, yeah, I recognize that there's a very kind of history of women who reported rape in many, many cases being viewed with uh, kind of presumptive suspicion. Uh, and of course, I, I think it's good that we've, you know, we're moving on from that. Um, at the same time, you know, I do think that there is this real issue of, you know, what about the presumption of innocence? And it's kind of interesting because, you know, we have such cultural amnesia. We always think that, you know, every issue that we have now was discovered like in the last two or three years. Uh, there's an article you can find from 1977 by a feminist legal theorist named Vivian Berger, who was, um, I think the first female law professor at Columbia who was talking about the rape law reform form that was underway then and she was saying that you know yeah it's great that we're making progress on the treatment of of uh, rape complainants but at the same time as she put it you know we really have to be careful not to sacrifice the rights of the accused person on the altar of women's liberation and that was a feminist legal theorist by the way so yeah i mean i think that there is a real danger uh you know uh, I, I'm certainly not going to say that I think Christine Blasey Ford is lying. Uh, I, th I mean, there, there have been some really outlandish theories that I've seen about how, oh, you know, she co-wrote this article about hypnosis and memory retrieval, uh, which apparently she was a very, very minor contributor. Yeah, that that was. And, um, you know, that means not... that you know maybe she invented this memory, whatever. I mean, she has been telling people since at least 2012 in some shape or form that this incident happened. And it's just very, very implausible to me that she has been hatching this plot, you know, for six years, uh, just, you know, uh, on the off chance that Kavanaugh became the nominee. And yeah, I mean, his name was kind of floated around, but it was certainly far from a given. Uh, and, you know, the, I mean, that would even, if it was a movie, that kind of plot would be wildly implausible. Uh, I think, you know, the, the, I think that can sort of be safely discounted. I think it's fairly clear that she certainly believes that this happened to her. Now, is there a possibility of mistaken identity? Uh, which is, you know, which certainly happens. It's probably much less likely when this is a person you know. Uh, you know, is it possible that, uh, you know, as some people have suggested, it wasn't really an attempted rape, but sort of just a drunken guy kind of jumping somebody as a joke, and then she was terrified and thought that it was an attempted rape and kind of, I mean, people do kind of edit their memories, especially traumatic memories. It's, I, I think people have written a lot about that. <coughs> think we remember is actually, you know, our reconstructed memory that we kind of rewrite every time we revisit it. So, you know, there are a lot of different possibilities. There's the other story, of course, by Deborah Ramirez, which uh, is now being investigated. And it's very complicated because apparently she didn't, she wasn't sure initially that it was Kavanaugh and, and the, the first report was that she spent six days kind of delving into her memories and she was very drunk and you know this guy exposed himself to her and there were several guys there who were kind of laughing and all very drunk um, 
So, yeah, I can see how this is all incredibly complicated. And you can sort of say, you know, is it really fair to use these distant and sometimes vague memories to derail someone? Uh, so, I mean, I think that's a legitimate conversation to have. I was certainly very uh, disturbed by, you know, a number of people on the Republican side kind of saying, well, even if it didn't happen, if even if it did happen the way that she remembers it. Uh, it's really still just sort of a teenage, uh, you know, a drunken teenage boy, yeah. a drunken teenage boy. Uh, I mean, that's, uh, the, the, I think that's quite disturbing. And I mean, does that mean that uh, this is sort of a general cultural attitude? I think it's really more political partisanship. They would be saying something very different if it was, say, Bill Clinton and not, you know, uh, not Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, it's kind of interesting that if you look at Kavanaugh's past uh, as an aide to Count Starr, uh, he was very intent on uh, aggressively grilling Bill Clinton about you know everything that he did with Monica Lewinsky, uh, and he was sort of in his memo. Uh, there was a bit of kind of you know, quasi feminist posturing where he was saying, "Oh, you know, he did, you know, he really like." shattered the life of this poor intern who is really the victim and all this. And, you know, so I think everyone, uh, depending on political convenience, can sort of appropriate the language of, oh, you know, we really have to look out for the survivor. Um, and, you know, so, so I think there's quite a bit of uh, really kind of hypocrisy on both sides of this. Um, uh, so, you know, the thing that, uh, that really concerns me, uh, uh, beyond the nomination, um, I, mean, I think there is right now this kind of moral panic about, uh, um, you know, and I, I hesitate to say, you know, I, I, because on the one hand, clearly, you know, it's a good thing that we're much more aware than we used to be of sexual assault and that, you know, uh, we're encouraging people to come forward with you know, memories that in many cases they never told anyone about. Uh, I am concerned about the sort of encouragement toward women to kind of obsessively scour their past for victimhood experiences. A friend of mine told me this interesting story about something that was going on in a Facebook group that she's in where a woman um, who's a professional woman, you know, in probably in her forties, uh, who was really distraught because, you know, she was remembering this experience that she had when she was 15, when she was at a party and she was making out with a boy. And then she sort of doesn't remember what happened next so you know and she was kind of tipsy and then she was it was kind of obsessively thinking you know am i actually a rape victim you know was i was i raped during this memory lapse uh you know i don't i'm not really sure that it is particularly helpful to women to uh sort of you know encourage them to uh re-examine their lives and their and every aspect of their past for for experiences that can be uh you know cast as victimization uh and i mean this notion and of course yeah i don't mean to disparage anyone who has been deeply traumatized by sexual assault experience of course not but i mean the notion that 
these experiences are deeply shattering and and that this uh, kind of changes your life forever i mean you know i i i think that uh certainly sometimes it does a lot of people you know move on i i think we really really have to walk a fine line between on the one hand taking sexual trauma seriously and on the other hand kind of encouraging women to define themselves through victimhood so you know i i think it's it's kind of a complicated moment in that sense and i'm not sure it's entirely positive so that's you know that's my concern really about the cultural repercussions beyond uh beyond the political issues mm-hmm. okay well that, that you uh, you put out a lot there let me see if i can respond to like, yeah. a couple parts <laughs> I know. of it it's... um <clears throat> so you know there's the uh, he, you know, he said, she said, that's kind of the classic way to say, oh, we'll never know. Um, and I, you know, probably the only person who can ever like 100% know for sure is, um, is Kavanaugh and maybe Mark Judge. Or maybe not, because, you know, according to Ford, he was extremely drunk at the time. And he, I, I, I do think, by the way, that the possibility that some people have been kind of throwing out there that, you know, neither of them is actually lying because this happened in some form and he doesn't remember it. Yeah, that that actually seems uh, I think pretty likely to me. Yeah, that that that's that sounds likely to me. Um, that for her, it was a traumatic experience. Uh, for him, maybe he maybe he was not. Maybe he did what she describes, but was not intending to rape her. Was just right. uh, you know yeah. horse playing or something. So right. Right. Uh, that's so, still you know still bad. Course. But I mean, you know, I don't think that's much of a defense, which is, you know, which is probably why he hasn't been making that defense. Right. Um, and what I'd like to talk a little bit about the defense he has been making, which is essentially, um, well, it, it's weird. But it, not sure what his defense is. I mean, is it that she's mistaken? She was attacked by somebody else. And, it, uh, he, well, he says it's not me and it couldn't have been me because I was always a good person right. my, my entire life. I may have drank some beer. And right. I, I still yeah. enjoy beer, but I was a good person. And I got into Yale, and I got into Yale Law School, yeah. and yeah. I coached my daughter's basketball team. And right. I, I, and he didn't mention this, but there was an op-ed that came out, you know, after he was nominated, before Ford came forward with her um, charge, uh, talking about what a great um, carpool dad he was and how he oh, helped Oh, I out remember that. Yeah. Desk- yeah, so like, so it's, it's hard to know if this was, like, coordinated or not, but the initial kind of sense that the administration wanted to push about Brett Kavanaugh was like, he's an all American guy. He loves his family right. so much. He does like all the good things. He like clearly respects women because he, you know, spends so much time with his daughters coaching the girls basketball team. Like we heard more about the girls basketball team than we heard about what he did as staff secretary uh, for yeah. the Bush administration, which is a very powerful position. Um, so, you know, that well, was, that was what they wanted to push. No, that really did not get enough scrutiny, I think, because, you know, some of the stuff that actually has come out in recent days um, was, you know, like including his role in the star investigation. That wasn't really something that was out there very much until we got into the sexual assault allegations. So I think, yeah, you know, so, it, so there was a narrative that may have been like totally. Totally phony. I mean, he probably, I'm sure he has a good father. I'm sure he does a good job at the carpool, et cetera, et cetera. That has no bearing on being a Supreme Court no, justice. No, no. So it, okay. so that's kind of bullshit. And then he, um, and then he kind of put himself forward, like once the charges came out, he kind of put himself forward as a choir boy. 
And there's this ridiculous quote that he gave in the Fox News interview where it was like, what, the, the interviewer asked, what, do you do at, what were you doing in high school? And he's like, well, I was uh, playing sports and practicing sports and going to church at Little Flower. That was the name of his church, Little Flower. Like, that's, that's so perfect. Uh, and doing, uh, working on his friendships with uh, fellow male students and, uh, you know, female students from uh, sister Catholic, Catholic girls schools and working on his service projects. So he was too busy to sexually assault anyone because he was working on his service projects. Yeah, give, yeah, like, give me a break. It, it's, yeah. it, it reached the point yeah. of absurdity. And then these more and more stories started trickling out about how uh, people who knew him when he was a young man said he would get right. drunk and become belligerent. So he, he wasn't just he wasn't just a choir boy. He seems to have this yeah. other aspect to his personality. And he was right. denying that completely. And all the stuff that was in the yearbook, he, he couldn't admit, like, he couldn't admit to, like, <clears throat> Yeah, we got really drunk all the time when I was 17, which is like, you know, hundreds of thousands of boys across the country oh, yeah. <laughs> get drunk, yeah. uh, or 17-year-old boys get, get drunk all, every weekend. And he couldn't admit any of that stuff because then it broke the choir boy image and made it seem like he was guilty. So, you know, one, one line in the yearbook was uh, Beach Week Ralph Club. Oh, yeah, which yeah. Which meant right. he was, like, drinking the most and throwing up the most. But he said that was because he had a sensitive stomach. He had a weak stomach, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, that's, that's... And, and spicy food would yeah. would agitate his weak stomach and he would you know, throw up or, uh, I suppose, uh, I mean, like, we're supposed to believe this from someone who wants to be at the yeah, Supreme yeah. Court? Yeah, and I mean, of course, the whole question comes up, you know, is this, like, would this really amount to lying under oath, or is it too trivial to be, you know, to be considered perjury? Uh, well, it just, it just shows his, I mean, I, think it, I don't know if it's perjury or not, but it just shows his what he thinks of himself that he couldn't possibly have done anything bad. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not yeah, that devil's triangle I, wasn't a sexual but, reference. It was just a drinking game. Okay. Yeah, boofing is not a sexual reference. It has to do with farting. Like now, you know, now we all yeah, know what boofing is. I didn't know what it was before this. No, and <laughs> I, I never, you know, I was, uh, I was around at the time and I certainly never heard the term before. So, uh, you know, which doesn't mean that it didn't exist. Uh, I mean, I think it's, uh, again, I kind of have mixed feelings about this because on the one hand, yeah, I see what you're saying that uh, some of the questions about the yearbook came up because, uh, you know, it really was at odds with the image that he presented of his teenage self on the Fox interview. And, uh, you know, it's like right now things are developing at such speed that I barely even remember. I'm struggling to remember what he actually said on that Fox interview because it's like we're so inundated with new information about this every day. Uh, so, you know, I, I've seen some people say that, oh, like the people are really exaggerating the extent to which he painted himself as a choir boy. So, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but, um, you know, I, I think to some extent, the yearbook questions, uh, I'm feeling kind of ambivalent about because I think there is the subtext of like, oh, well, he referred to, you know, the doubles triangle, which, which is really slang for, uh, you know, two men and a woman, uh, sort of doing it together. Uh, so you know, th th there's kind of an inference that because he's using that kind of language as a teenager, that makes him more likely to have been a sexual predator. And I think that's kind of ridiculous because, I, you know, yeah, teenagers make dumb jokes about sex. It's, but, it, uh, but it's like he, we've all been there. he either, he either thinks that if he like gives an inch, 
then it means that he'll be like seen as guilty. Yeah, like if he admits exactly. that he was including like dirty sex jokes in his yearbook, yeah, exactly. then it, then it means he's a rapist. So like that's not true. Or or he wants to. Or he's like, I, I am the choir boy. I am the good boy who went to Yale. I am the good boy who went to Yale Law School and ascended up the, up the ranks of you know the GOP establishment. And right. you know a good boy who did that yeah. would never make yeah. a joke about you know uh, drinking uh, alcohol through your anus. Like someone, right. you know, someone would <laughs> like that, that can't be possible at all. It was about farting and uh, farting. Uh, right, right, right. So it's, it's just like, there's just so much bullshit yeah. no, piled upon so, bullshit here. It's just such a bizarre moment, really. Uh, so you know, I, I I guess we'll see how this investigation turns out. Um, because uh, there, again, there have been so much. There, there have been so many claims and counterclaims that have been sort of bandied about. There, there, I mean, we were hearing a lot about this party on July first, as you know, that was noted in his in his calendar, and he actually does have calendars going back to 1982. How weird is that? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so uh, you know, I don't know if anything is going to come of that. Um, you know the the thing that uh, th- that I think we also need to remember, like in terms of the the scope of the FBI investigation, like if the FBI right now does a really cursory investigation that leaves out a lot of things, and let's say he gets confirmed, I, all of that information is still out there, and the media are going to be you know digging into that. So yeah, I, I think if he does get confirmed right now, and there is you know more compromising information out there, there is an extremely good possibility that we're going to have a major scandal sometime after the confirmation, uh, where you know something is going to come out in the media that wasn't revealed before. Uh, you know, maybe not. I mean, maybe there is nothing there. Uh, who knows? Uh, but, you know, I, I do think that the, um, I, I think it's definitely a good thing, uh, that, uh, th- this has been delayed for an investigation. I, I mean, I think it's really in everyone's interest, um, because to rush this through under the circumstances, I, I really honestly think would, would, uh, would not only look very bad, but would certainly set the stage for some sort of, uh, you know, implosion later on. And, you know, if the, if the Democrats, uh, get a majority in the Senate, which, which is a possibility right now, um, there, there could always be the question of impeaching a Supreme Court justice. That's, it's possible. Right. So, you know, I, I, I have no idea what's going to happen at this point, but, uh, you know, it's, um, uh, it's not good, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, and the, 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 you know, I, I'm increasingly fond of the theory that the end of the world actually did happen in 2012. And we're <laughs> now, so, you know. Yeah, the idea that we're like stuck in purgatory or something uh, yeah, does have a certain yeah, like yeah, logic yeah. to it. Um, yeah, I just want to bring up one more Kavanaugh thing before we move to a different topic, um, which is his um, some of the stuff he did in college um, at Yale University, where I also went as an undergraduate. Um, and he was a member of the fraternity Deke, uh, Delta Kappa Epsilon. And um, this is a storied fraternity. Uh, other members include uh, George H.W. Bush, who was vice president right, when, right. Uh, when Kavanaugh was there, and George W. Bush. 
Uh, they were they were both in DQ. Yeah, didn't they? I was reading just the other day that they apparently had a scandal like year before Kavanaugh was there. They had a scandal about branding pledges. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So <laughs> it was right. basically like well, okay. So when I was there, which was the early two thousands, it was like the most classic frat right, at right. Yale, like the most Animal House like frat, and right. the only people who joined. Um, then were, were, uh, recruited athletes on the baseball and football teams. So oh, it was, okay. it was jocks and they had a house and they, uh, you know, they threw parties and they were, yeah, I mean, they were, they were notorious on campus basically, uh, partially for their, um, pledge week, which they called hell week, uh, which was like <laughs> the most, you know, publicly intense and grueling, uh, pledge process, um, of any of the frats and they had to, they had to do. Re- so one of my um, sweet mates was a, a baseball uh, player uh, freshman year. And so he pledged Deke and what they had to do was they had, uh, they were each given um, uh, one white t-shirt to wear, which the like older brothers wrote in like black marker, like their nickname or whatever on it. And you know, the nickname might be like cocksucker or something like that. And then they had to wear that for the entire week, I think without taking a shower and then every oh. every night at the house, they would have to do some kind of disgusting thing, like have sour milk poured all over them, Ew. or you know, uh, crawl through like dog turds or something like that. And so it would get <laughs> smeared all over the shirt. And the, and if they like were seen publicly without the shirt on, then they like you know got kicked out of the <laughs> pledge week or stuff like this. So it was it was disgusting. And he would come back to the dorm like reeking. He would take off the shirt and leave it in, in the hallway because it was it was like too smelly, and uh, yeah, and so you know thirty odd guys uh, did this every year, this totally disgusting ritual of being publicly humiliated and debased in order to join Deke. Uh, so obviously fraternities like change over time, and the fraternity that George H W Bush joined was very different from this one, and I'm sure the the fraternity that uh, Brett Kavanaugh joined was was different right. from this one. But at the same time, it was like, yeah, why, yeah, why did he want to join this particular frat? Yeah, there's one story that I read where the, this woman had a story where she saw him, like, hopping on one foot. Like, yeah, so that, so that was just, like, kind of a that was just and like silliness. she interpreted that as him being, like, drunk out of his mind. And I thought, no, 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 that sounds like a fraternity, like, humiliation pledge thing. And I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah, I read that one, too. He had to hop on one foot and say, I'm a geek, I'm a geek, or something like that. So that seems, that's relatively tame compared to, like, having sour milk poured over your head and being forced to, like, wear the resulting shirt uh, for the rest (laughs) of the week. And, um... And yeah, it's like, why did, you know, Kavanaugh was an athlete in high school. He was, you know, I, th- I think he was like captain of the basketball team at Georgetown Prep. Uh, and then he like played, like he tried to walk onto the team at Yale. He played JV, but he didn't actually get on the team. So it, it, I don't know. So on the one side, it's like, uh, he may have, you know, why do, why does anyone join a frat? You know, maybe they like partying and they like camaraderie and they want to meet, you know, the women who come to the parties. So maybe it was just that. Maybe it was that he already knew he wanted to like ascend the, like, you know, become like a major Republican uh, party figure and the two George Bushes had, you know, attended this and I'm sure like other, you know, minor, less exalted figures in the GOP firmament had attended, had been in Deke and it's like a good way to make connections and stuff. Right. Or, or it's just like, you know, he wanted to hang out with the type of like super jock frat guy who would have no problem <laughs> with, you know, uh, doing keg stands and doing all the sorts of, you know, gross things that 
19 year old men in fraternities want to do for some reason. So it's like, which, you know, who is, this is not Kavanaugh, the choir boy who wants, who wants to do something like this. Like this is a, this is yeah. a, a different incarnation of him. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. So, I mean, on the flip side, I guess right now a lot of people are probably thinking, you know, if I get nominated for, you know, some high position, uh, is all the embarrassing stuff I did in college going to get paraded, uh, uh, before the entire nation. So, you know, I think that in that sense, I think it is a kind of disturbing, uh, disturbing, uh, spectacle. And, you know, one thing that does kind of bother me, uh, I mean, yeah, I totally agree that Kavanaugh's, you know, partisan rant about the Democrats was completely out of line. You know, I think that, um, it does actually call into question his ability to be uh, to be impartial on the court. So, you know, I am sympathetic to that argument. Uh, it does bother me that a lot of people are um, have been kind of making fun of his uh, kind of emotional outbursts and saying, "Oh, ha ha!" You know, this is entitled white male who thinks that he may not get this, you know, really high level job that he wants. And I think that's that really is, I think, quite unfair because uh, I really don't think that at this point it's, you know, just a job interview. I mean, you know, this guy really has been, you know, branded a serial sex offender essentially in front of the entire nation. And, uh, and I mean, I actually do think that unless he is – more or less decisively cleared, uh, it's going, I mean, regardless of whether he's confirmed or not, I, I think it's definitely going to affect his career. I don't know if he's, uh, I mean, you know, I, I think if, if there it does emerge, you know, evidence that he did at least some of the things that he's accused of doing, it's very likely that he'll have to resign from the federal bench. You know, I think. Um, I don't know. Who's our, who's our president? Yeah, Donald yeah. J. Trump. Well, yeah, but he know, has he, many credible accusations of sexual assault against him, and he was still elected president. Position, you know. I think that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's. Um, it, it, I mean, we're in such a kind of through the looking glass world right now that it's kind of hard to tell what's going to happen, and you know, no matter what the you know what the outcome. Uh, but you know, I, I, I do think that. Uh, I, I can totally understand that, you know, if he's innocent, if he doesn't remember doing anything of the sort, uh, I mean, it is kind of terrifying to be accused of, uh, you know, these severely stigmatized things, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, Trump being president. Uh, you know, I, I think for, you know, for, for, for those of us who are not Donald Trump, you know, these are really, really horrible things to be accused of. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I, 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 I partly, I, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day, I, I have some sympathy uh, with the position of the sort of the wrongly accused. I mean, I've never been accused of sexual assault, but I was, um, I think this was like 18, yeah, 18 years ago when I got a uh, position as a columnist of the Boston Globe. Uh, this crazy woman who may have, you may have heard of, Debbie Schlussel, she's this like oh. ultra right, uh, pundit who mm-hmm. later became like a leading birther. Okay, the- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, at the time, she was kind of 
fairly obscure uh, right-wing blogger. And I had sort of had a had a spat with her before over, you know, something she wrote that I kind of made fun of. And um, she accused me of plagiarizing from her, which is completely insane because, like, she would be the last person that I would ever plagiarize from. Like, I wrote an article on a topic that she also wrote about and had something to do with the 4th of July, and we both mentioned, like, barbecues and uh, fireworks, which, you know, obviously no one would ever (laughs) independently consider mentioning in a 4th of July article, so it was really, it was pretty insane. But, you know, like, for a couple of days, this was being discussed in the blogosphere, and, um, you know, and I, I, and it it really was kind of scary because I thought, you know, what if people actually do believe her and, you know, what if this ends up torpedoing my career? And I mean, then eventually the pointer, somebody from the Pointer Institute kind of looked into this and said, nah, you know, there's really totally nothing to this. And, you know, it, it, it turned out, uh, it, it turned out okay. But, I mean, I do kind of understand the position of being accused of doing something um, something bad, and obviously plagiarism is not about like, close to uh, to multiple sexual assaults. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I think that we do have to be very careful to, uh, you know, pr- to not uh, kind of throw the presumption of innocence out the window as we try to make things better for people coming forward with allegations of sexual assault. And it's a very, very difficult kind of tightrope to walk because, you know, even in the court of public opinion, obviously that is not the same as a, as a, as a court of law. But, you know, even even in the court of public opinion, you know, somebody's life can be very effectively destroyed by an accusation of sexual assault. Somebody's life can be destroyed by a sexual assault as well. So, I mean, I think we're dealing with these very, very complicated issues. And I think we need to kind of show more humility and balance as we talk about them. And I think the Kavanaugh, um, um, you know, uh, saga right now is is definitely an example of that, and I guess again we'll see where it leads. But that would be, uh, you know, what I would take away from this. Yeah, I guess I would just say um, on the you know presumption of innocence question is uh, you know this he's not actually on trial. He, you know this is like a public right. a public trial, a cause celeb, but um, <laughs> this is essentially a um, an interview for a job promotion, you know, the, one of the most important yeah, yeah, jobs that yeah. you can be appointed to in the, in the federal government. But, um, you know, yeah, if, yeah, if, if yeah, he, I'm, if he goes down, he still has his job at the most important, um, appeals court in right, the country. Well, yeah, it seems yeah. very unlikely he could ever actually be for, you know, like forced out of office by a vote. You know, I think he would still need two thirds, a two thirds vote to impeach him. Like we're not going to have two, like 67 Democrats, in the Senate anytime that's, soon. That's true. Not probably not in Kavanaugh's lifetime or in any of our li- lifetimes because of the way the right. country is split. Um, so if he wants to keep on doing what he's doing, uh, and he, he can keep on doing that, uh, he could be forced to, uh, you know, he could resign in like outrage, I suppose. And then he, but then he could have a, um, very, uh, lucrative career. Uh, in the world of conservative media, which it almost seems like he was auditioning yeah, that's for. That's true. That is true because we do right now have this sort of older world of, you know, um, 
Yeah, well, it's it, 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 it's hard to say because, I mean, I, I, I don't think he is somebody who would be kind of content with being totally out of the mainstream as long as he could still, you know, like have gigs on uh, some of the, you know, on, on Newsmax or whatever. Right. Uh, I mean, he could he could yeah. write a book. He could yeah. become a regular. Yeah. He could be a legal analyst on Fox News. Right. Uh, well, he could continue coaching his daughter's basketball team yeah. and yeah. doing the carpool and yeah, those no, things no, that no, he really seems to care about. Uh, no, that is very true. And actually, I mean, my my concern, and I'm actually writing a piece about this right now, uh, my concern in terms of, like, the whole, uh, you know, believe the survivor um, motto and, and the, the, that whole kind of mentality is really not so much what happens to Kavanaugh per se, because, you know, I do think that whether or not he gets confirmed, you know, he will probably be okay, you know, he'll certainly have a lot of supporters on the right in any case. Um, my concern is really more with, you know, what happens, you know, how does it play out when that same mentality gets applied to people who don't have those resources and, you know, to, uh, you know, very often to minority men, you know, who find themselves accused, to college students who may not necessarily be from a privileged background, uh, so, you know, my, my concern is really, again, you know, not so much with Kavanaugh per se as with how that mentality plays out across the culture. And I would say, but I would also note, by the way, that it's really not just men because there, there is this sort of assumption that, oh, like you're defending, like if, if you're speaking out about the presumption of business for those accused of sex crimes, like you're, you're, you're defending men. Well, not necessarily because, you know, women, actually do get swept up in those things. Uh, you know, there was, um, as you may remember, uh, approximately 20 years ago, we had a child abuse sex panic uh, where, you know, there was, and again, it started out with this very legitimate concern where, you know, child sexual abuse very often had been and, you know, still is, as we've seen recently, you know, uh, it does get swept under the rug. And certainly up until like the late 70s, nobody kind of wanted to talk about it very much. Uh, and then there was this increased awareness of the fact that it does happen to a lot of people. And then we had this wave of um, these lurid child sexual abuse, satanic cult accusations right. uh, with daycare centers. Right. And, you know, a lot of the people who got caught up in that were women. I mean, in my home state in New Jersey, Margaret Kelly Michaels was convicted of sexually abusing like 20 children. And it was given, I think, a 50 year sentence. And then when they started to review that case, it turned out that most of those children, like there was one mom who got suspicious of something that had to do with her kid. And then all these kids were being grilled by investigators and were being told, uh, you know, oh, you know, uh, uh, you know, other other kids have told us that this happened to them. So, like, what are you stupid or something? Like, you don't remember? Yeah, and, I grew up in I grew up in New Jersey, said, and yeah. there there was and, an, there was a case that was a lot of the stuff that she got accused of was really kind of physically impossible if you think about it, because she was accused of like being on kids during the, during nap time and what. Like, I mean, this is something that really would have left some sort of evidence, I'm I'm pretty sure. And uh, you know, so it was really kind of a preposterous case when when people started looking into it. And yet she spent something like 
I, I think, five years in prison before the case was reviewed and she was released. And there was there were other women. There were women who, you know, even if they didn't go to prison, like they, uh, you know, they lost their jobs. They their marriages broke up. You know, they lost custody of their kids. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's really a mistake to think that. Uh, you know, this is only about men. Uh, and I mean, I've already seen, by the way, on the college level, because I, I, as I think, you know, I, I do quite a bit of writing about these campus cases. Uh, and I've seen a couple of cases in which uh, female students um, got kind of railroaded by kangaroo courts uh, on uh, on charges of sexual assault. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think that this is something that we really, really need to be careful about. And it's not really specifically about Kavanaugh, because I think, I mean, I, I agree with you that he's almost certainly going to be fine in one way or another. So Right, yeah. Um, so I... Maybe we're thinking about the same case. I grew up in northern New Jersey, and there was a case in a neighboring town, Maplewood, New Jersey, about... Um... Yeah, Maplewood, yeah. That yeah. was the one. Yeah, so I grew up in South Orange, which is the town. Yeah, next, it next was the we, we Care Daycare Center. Right. And yes. I mean, it was, it was a case that was really, like, looking back at it, uh, there were so many things that were just kind of outrageous, like, uh, you know, I like the fact that she had admitted to some like same sex experimentation in college like she had had a couple of relationships with girls uh, and I don't know if she was like bisexual throughout her life but you know she had had these sort of same sex college flings and I think there the prosecution kind of insinuated that you know that implied that she was like you know she was a pervert basically or that there was something sexually wrong with her so there there was just a lot of really really outrageous stuff and i mean the like it was one thing that got used to, used against her was that i think like one of the teachers um one of the other teachers testified that like one day uh, Kelly Michaels told her that she wasn't wearing underwear so like oh well you know obviously you know <laughs> going commando means that you're a child molester right right. right so the so that so the whole like satanic like daycare moral panic of the 80s some people like people have been bringing this up at, you know saying like are we reliving a moment like that right now. I mean, I I, I I don't think I don't think we are. I mean, if you like, yeah, if you read about what happened, it's totally insane. And there was okay. So there's this parallel between there was this you know there's this current slogan like I believe women or we believe women, and, and then and there was the slogan believe the children. Uh, believe the children. Okay, well, believing women, <laughs> believing legal adults, and believing like a four year old, different things. Um, you know, there was really no evidence whatsoever that like satanic rituals were happening like ever right, anywhere. Right. So it it really was like, you know, comparable to like the Salem witch trials, <laughs> really more than anything else. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And whereas now, you know, if we have uh, twenty five women accusing Harvey Weinstein oh, of something, no, 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 so yeah, we have yeah, much recently, much better yeah. evidence. You know, the so so I think we have this public Me Too thing that's that's really the things we've been hearing about are really. Uh, men who have some level of prominence. Um, we have, we haven't really heard a lot about like, now maybe it's happening. It just doesn't make a news. We haven't really heard a lot about like some like junior vice president in Omaha getting accused of something (laughs) that happened 15 years ago and losing his job. Like maybe that's happening. We don't know about it, but it's mainly been, um, men who are prominent and with multiple, multiple women accusing them. 
mostly, yeah. I mean, I've, uh, I, I'm actually planning at some point this month, because uh, we're coming up on the first anniversary of Me Too, obviously. And um, I'm hoping to write something about, you know, like what the state of this movement is and, you know, w- w- whether it's gone overboard. Um, I mean, my view of it, and I, I actually wrote about this um, at the time when uh, Eric Schneiderman, the um, uh, the uh, DA in New York, who, the prosecutor in New York, who turned out to, you know, uh, was reported for abusing multiple women and relationships uh, when, you know, his downfall happened. Um I think that there are really, like, there are two different faces of Me Too, I think. One of which is that we do have, as you said, these powerful men. uh, And so far, I think they all have been, you know, exclusively men uh, who have been brought down by, uh, you know, really these uh, this overwhelming... uh, kind of evidence of account, of very similar accounts uncoordinated with each other from multiple women who are really kind of, you know, it all kind of adds up to more or less the same thing. And uh, it's also kind of amazing, by the way, that with some of them, like if you look at Weinstein, uh, if you look at some of the stories, like the non-sexual stories about his behavior that were out like in the public view, even before any of this, it's kind of amazing that he could get away with this because, like, he assaulted people publicly. Right. Like, he would get mad at people. Like, he 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 physically assaulted his subordinates. He you know publicly humiliated people. He was just like this horrible asshole, really. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, yeah. There's a story of him like yeah assaulting like either a reporter like, or a photographer, like and throwing like, him onto the street and stuff. Yeah, but he. He was allowed but, to keep doing it because he was yeah, a successful was actually, film producer. Like Michelle Obama, I think, praised him as as this great guy who was, you know, giving all giving women all these opportunities and who was like a great role model. So yeah, I mean, I think that uh, certainly, I think it has been a good thing to kind of create an avenue for people to come forward with. Uh, you know, accounts of uh, being victimized by by people like that, by people in power. And I think, you know, we certainly had uh, underestimated, like, the extent to which uh, men like that, and again, you know, it is so far primarily men, have been protected by their sort of status and power. I mean, you have someone like James Levine, you know, the, the nut uh, conductor uh, who, uh, who had to resign after multiple uh, male victims came out and said that he had sexually abused them when, when they were minors. And it's interesting because um, my mom is actually a musician and uh, she was talking about it to some friends of hers in the music world, and it's like, yeah, well, everybody really knew that. It's like, it's not a surprise to anyone. Apparently, this was like an open secret. And yet, you know, he was allowed to get away with this. So, yeah, I mean, I think it is definitely a good thing that, uh, you know, this has been changing. And, uh, you know, we're, we're creating a more hospitable environment for victims of that kind of behavior to come forward. But, you know... As kind of parallel to that, I think that really from the beginning, uh, I think there has been this unfortunate trend of uh, either uncorroborated or really kind of fairly trivial allegations uh, 
destroying people's careers. Um, Sam Chris, uh, who, you know, who, uh, what happened to, like, you know, he's completely gone from the, you know, who I'm talking about, yes, right? Yeah. The journalist who, who used to write for Vice. And by the way, you know, I think just from his behavior on Twitter, I completely agree that he is a total asshole. You know, he's, you know, he's, I have no love for Sam Chris. You know, he's a kind of, you know, he's the kind of lefty who, you know, thinks it's really cute to, you know, make fun of gulag victims because, you know, it's kind of cool, you know. I, I mean, I, I the, the, there are actually tweets where he does that, like he, he makes fun of, you know, victims of the cultural revolution. So, yeah, I mean, politically, personally, I have no affection for Sam Chris. But, you know, this is a guy who whose career got completely wiped out by this one woman's account of him essentially being a jerk to her on a date. Yeah. And, you know, she she was really not entirely honest on that account because, like, in her initial account, she completely leaves out the fact that they actually were in a sexual relationship at the time, which, you know, and, and, yeah, obviously that doesn't mean that, you know, that, that, that gives them you know, leeway to do whatever, you know, he wants without her consent in that specific situation. But I think it does kind of cast a lot of her account in a rather different light. And, you know, she the fact that she withheld that information, I think, tells me that she was not being entirely honest. Uh, he kind of you know, he issued this kind of groveling apology, but at the same time, he was kind of, some of the, the details that he filled in, I think, do um, kind of, you know, raise questions about a credibility. And, you know, he, he is completely gone. Like, he's, you know, I... Well, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I remember reading that that piece. Uh, we can find the link. It was, you know, this uh, woman wrote on Medium about uh, one day, yeah, one or I two bad dates... Heard- and, um, yeah, he tried to, you know, kind of push her, like, uh, into her apartment. I mean, I'm, I'm getting the details. No, 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 it wasn't that. No, it was, no, it was, it, they were out in public. And he was kind of like, he, he was trying to make out with her. And okay, so he keeps on try, like, kind of kissing her, she's not interested, he tries to kiss again, she's not interested. Is... Yeah, the thing is that, like, if, if you read her account carefully, <clears throat> it's kind of a pattern where, you know, he kind of makes a move. And then she says, oh, well, you know, I really don't want to do this in public. And then he tries to, like, pull her into a more isolated place where they can be out of the public view. And she kind of goes along with that. And, you know, that it's I mean, I think there were a lot of mixed signals. Uh, He says, by the way, that, you know, after that, they remained in friendly contact for quite a while until they had a political falling out. And, you know, then she got upset by some of the things that he said criticizing Hillary Clinton. So, you know, I actually wrote a piece uh, kind of analyzing that whole thing uh, where I think if you kind of if, if you read between the lines, it, it really does kind of look very different. Uh, so, I mean, you know, okay, I, well, well, here, OK, so here's the thing. So Sam, Sam Chris, I th- over like that one incident it just really seems to me. Uh, to, to be pretty excessive. Uh, some of the other things. Um, well, why, don't, why don't we talk about the? Um, why don't we talk about the piece um, that ran in Jezebel last week? Oh my God! Well, yeah, that the, is, the next the step for me too is into yeah. the gray areas. So we'll link to this piece for people who haven't read it. Uh, it was written by Julianne Escobedo Shepard, 
uh, who I think is the editor of Gawker, or sorry, editor of Jezebel. Jezebel is kind of the uh, women's spinoff of Gawker, which doesn't, you know, Gawker doesn't exist anymore. Uh, so there's kind of a preamble to this article talking about, you know, you have these obvious cases of sexual assault, like you know, Weinstein, Bill Cosby. Oh, of course. And, and then you have kind of like maybe areas that are a little bit less, uh, less cl- right. clean cut. And, uh, she, and she kind of makes the case that, uh, you know, this is the next stage of Me Too is that these, right. le- these less clean cut instances. Uh, so then the rest of the article is about uh, a journalist named Jack Smith IV. Uh, he was a prom, not a famous person. Um, I had heard of him. I had heard of him from seeing his stuff retweeted. Uh, he worked for Mike, uh, MIC, which is a kind right. of millennial, uh, news organization, uh, f- uh, that focuses on like, uh, you know, pr- uh, perspective coming from the left. And he was, he was kind of one of their most prominent, uh, faces because he was like doing video journalism work. And so, he, right. you know, he would appear center stage, uh, presenting these things. But, he had covered like alt-right rallies and stuff like that. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I guess never heard of them, but yeah. So he wasn't, um, you know, he wasn't, Famous, but within, you know, media circles, like, people knew who he was, more or less, or certain media circles, maybe the media circles that are centered in among, like, people in their 20s in Brooklyn. And then the the rest of the article is about uh, the bad things he did to women. Um, and some of those bad things include, like, uh, you know, some kind of emotional manipulation, like, right. screaming at them all night long, and then the next night being like, oh, sorry, I did that, ha, 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 and uh, the other stuff, but essentially being a real jerk and an asshole if, if we believe these accusations. Uh, right. the, the, the worst accusation in here is that he uh, uh, non-consensually choked a woman during sex, um, and so that would uh, qualify as assault, I believe. Yeah. And um, so... So yeah, that, that is, that is a, a serious accusation, but a lot of the other stuff was just like, this guy's an asshole. He hooks up with a lot of different women. He, you know. Right. And then I think one of them, like she had a bunch of these text messages where it's sort of like, you know, they hooked up and then he kind of disappeared and, you know, then she was messaging him and then, you know, like he was uh, kind of not available and, uh, you know, then he seemed to be playing all these mind games with her. And yeah, so it's, um, so I would, so any young woman out there, you should not start a relationship with Jack Smith, the fourth based on (laughs) this article. I think that's clear. He doesn't seem like a a good boyfriend at all. Uh, the question, so then the question is, should this article have been written and, um, should what happened to Smith have happened because, uh, he ended up uh, getting fired by Mike. And I think maybe one other outlet that he was working for, yeah, and, and it's, yeah. and it's, I think we should also note that none of the behavior that he was accused of had anything to do with the workplace. You know, none of these women were coworkers. You know, none of these women were anyone that he had any kind of like authority over. Um, so, you know, this was completely unrelated to his professional life. It was just sort of random women who were making allegations of bad behavior. And yeah, I mean, the choking allegations, certainly if true, uh, I mean, the way that it was also written was sort of that he, uh, you know, choked her with his forearm while like 
you know, putting his arm around her neck during sex. So I don't, I don't know like what, the, whether the allegation was that he did this intentionally or like, you know, he sort of like squeezed her too tightly, by, you know, accidentally. I don't know what that was meant to be. Uh, he apparently, uh, I don't know if you saw the piece by Katie Herzog, yes. where she actually interviewed him. He completely denies that allegation. And of course, you know, there's really no way you can verify that. Uh, so this really is sort of your classic you know, one person's word against another's case. Uh, the thing that also kind of leaped out at me about the Jezebel piece, uh, this one uh, story that while I don't know whether it would qualify, I don't think it qualifies as any kind of assault, you know, if true, but it certainly does make him sound kind of abusive and, um, you know, kind of uh, deranged, <laughs> where supposedly he went on this angry rant at this girl that he started dating because he said that she had lied to him about her age, where, you know, she had told him that she was 27 when she was actually 28 or something right. like that. I mean, that was just, it just really made him sound completely, you know, uh, not only abusive and not only an asshole, but kind of nuts, you know, frankly. And uh, uh, she was claiming that he made her show him his, uh, show him her driver's license and like he was yelling at her and the, the uh, berating her uh, until she was sobbing. Uh, the thing that was kind of interesting to me, like there was supposedly corroboration to that story in the form of, uh, first of all, there were, I think, the woman's roommate and the roommate's boyfriend arrived while all of this was going on. Uh, the thing is, like, all that they were aware of is they saw them going into the bedroom and then they heard her crying in the bedroom. So, I mean, that's corroboration, I guess, that there was some sort of emotionally intense scene going on where she was upset. It's not really, it doesn't, you know, they didn't witness any of this abusive behavior that he was being accused of. So, you know, I don't know what that really corroborates. And then the text messages the next day, uh, again, you know, confirmed that they had some kind of, you know, emotionally upsetting conversation. There is nothing whatsoever uh, referring to what the conversation was about. So really, you know, we have no idea whether this happened. Um, the other thing that also um, uh, kind of leaps out at me with regard to another one of the allegations, uh, this woman who I think is a podcaster, I forget her name, uh, but apparently like she confirms that even though she's now claiming that they had like the sex that they had during their relationship was coercive. She also confirms that after they broke up, uh, she actually met with them monthly for, for sex. Right. And, um, uh, I, I think she referred to those as like <laughs> her monthly dick appointment or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was, something something like that and you know and it just seems to me that um i don't know i mean i think that that uh, it's kind of absurd that we're even uh that this is even being discussed as a serious allegation of abuse uh and i mean you know oh also the other thing that that i think we should note is that uh he actually accused her of stalking him and there is actually some evidence that 
once she found out that he may he might be seeing another woman, she started like going through his social media presence uh, to you know find traces of this uh, possible other woman, and she was doing some. Uh, kind of admittedly stalkerish stuff. So I think that to me really does raise the question. Is this the woman who had the the podcast? Yeah, this is the monthly dick appointment. Okay, so possibly exonerating thing is that this woman has a podcast with another female friend called something like The X-Files, E-X, in which they like bitch and joke about their ex-boyfriends and, oh, right, and right. how bad they are. And maybe they yeah. have guests on. And, and so yeah. <laughs> there's some, there's some reason why she would be researching an ex-boyfriend. And she talked about, she talked about, um, S- Smith on the podcast like months before, um, right. months before this came, this came out. Um, so, so yeah. Um, I just, you know, it's, it, it is, it's very odd all around. It's a, it's a glimpse into a life. Of you know people in their mid twenties or late twenties living, living in Brooklyn and uh, having a series of yeah, really bad hookups. It does raise questions about double standards, and I think this is where you know, like I consider myself a feminist. You know, I I have a serious issue with you know the, this whole argument that I think is very popular with a certain like you know, strand of feminism right now that we really have to like, judge men and women by completely different standards because of like unequal power dynamics. And I don't know, to me, uh, that that really kind of ends up being very paternalistic toward women. Uh, uh, so, you know, I, I think that this is a really, really dangerous route for, uh, for feminism to kind of go down. And, you know, one thing that I think is really ironic with regard to like the whole, the, the, the whole Jack Smith thing. Um, I, I've been writing a piece and I, <laughs> I keep putting it on hold because there is just so much going on, you know, it's like everything that is not immediately time sensitive ends up being put on hold like a dozen times. But I've been writing this piece about, uh, Gamergate, which keeps cropping up, you know, everywhere. It's like, you know, um, did you did you know by the way that there's like there's a Gamergate connection in the Kavanaugh story? Like apparently, no. uh, uh, Mark Judge, you know his his friend who wrote the book about being a teenage alcoholic and who was supposedly there. Right. You know, uh, apparently he wrote uh, in 2015. He wrote a pro because he's also a writer. He has a bunch of articles on various sort of right leaning websites. So apparently he wrote a pro Gamergate article. So you see, it, it like, all comes everything, back. Everything is tied ultimately. Like everything is tied to Gamergate. But it's kind of interesting that like Gamergate began. With I, I, I know how closely you followed it, but it all started with this incredibly long blog post that this guy named Aaron Gianni wrote about Zoe Quinn, who is a feminist video game designer, and uh, it was basically about like her apparently cheating on him with a bunch of guys, some of whom were married while they were together. What also happened was that some. Uh, people in the, like, some of the, her relationships were with video game journalists, and then people started claiming that there was sex for reviews, which, by the way, the original blog post never claimed. But anyway, so a lot of this people- This is more the, it, it's about ethics and gaming journalism. Yeah, 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 right. That, so it got, it got into this whole, you know, ethics and gaming journalism thing. But it's interesting because a lot of people, 
have been saying that, well, like the, the whole question of like whether, you know, was it or was it not, you know, this misogynist attack on uh, on women and in, in the gaming uh, community. And then you have people saying, well, of course it was because it all began with this, you know, misogynistic attack on a feminist uh, video game designer that was intended to essentially like slut shame her. And the thing that is really interesting is that the guy who wrote this, uh, the, 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 the boyfriend, was really like he was part of the whole like social justice community. And he wrote this piece actually with the support of a bunch of feminist friends. And his, uh, his, his goal was really kind of somewhat similar to the Jack Smith piece where he was, his, his point was to say like, look, she is this, uh, you know, uh, social justice advocate who is, uh, uh, you know, advocating for, uh, for ethics and honesty in relationships. And, you know, that is not how she behaves in her private life. Now, you know, I don't want to go into the question of, you know, how much of the, how, how much of that was fair, you know, but, but it's really interesting that it, that was perceived as this completely, uh, you know, unacceptable and, uh, you know, misogynistic attack on a woman. And it's really very similar where it's like it's going after somebody's supposedly, you know, emotionally abusive behavior in in their private relationships. So, you know, I, I think the double standard there uh, is, is, is really quite fascinating. And I think that... Um, uh, this is, uh, really kind of what, uh, uh, what troubles me about, uh, about this cultural moment. Yeah, I mean, so there's the, like, the hypocrisy angle, I guess, in both of the, in both of these cases, uh, people are saying, like, they pretend, you know, this person pretends to be, uh, XYZ in public, but really, right, right. in private, they act totally opposite. Yeah, so that's yeah, kind of an eternal was... story of, you know, the, uh, you know, the guy who promotes temperance, uh, after hours is really right, hanging right. at the bar. So like, that's an eternal yeah, human story. Yeah. Um, and then you have like the, uh, does like, should this article have been written kind of thing? I'm on the fence about that. Like if, if Jack Smith, the fourth was like a copy editor at Mike and not like a, like right. one of their more prominent journalists, then no one would really care if he was like a cad and was, you know, having sex with multiple women and, you know, yelling at them and treating them badly like that wouldn't be a news story. So yeah, it, it, once again, it's like prominent men, like in this New York media left world, like he is a fairly prominent person, even if, you know, 98% of Americans have never heard of him. Um, right. Then he, it's like worthy of a, um, of something, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, is okay. If we put, if we put aside the, um, the, the non-consensual choking accusation, um, which is the, you know, is the one thing that right. seems to be like would actually be actionable in this case, although, you know, it would never actually be prosecuted right. in the real world. Um, it's essentially like if you have like a media presence and you treat a bunch of people like shit, but not in a criminal way, like what yeah. should happen to you? Did you lose your job? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like if <laughs> I think I'm kind of like leaning towards like, Yes, because once he's, cause it's embarrassing for the company, like once this comes out, like what is Mike gonna do with him? Either, <laughs> either they can like give him like a suspension unpaid for, you know, three months or something and tell him to go to counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could do nothing. Uh, they could say we don't want to be associated <laughs> with this person anymore. Like just from the like dollars and cents accounting 
way, it makes the most sense for the company to be like, yeah. sorry, bud, you're gone. Like, you're, you're not a member, you know, you're, you're a contract, a contract employee and the con- you avoided the contract. Um, right, just, right. just like if, you know, once the accusations came out against Matt Lauer, uh, he was yeah. off, he was off the Today Show. It's like, we don't want to see your smiling face anymore. If we're all, yeah, every time we see you, we're thinking about yelling at a woman. I think it was actually allegations of sexual harassment toward employees. Yes, there was, so, there were more serious, the allegations about Matt Lauer were, were more serious, but then like. So I think, and I think in his case, there were the, at least one of the allegations was actually of sexually assaulting a woman in the, in his office at NBC. So right. I think we are in that case talking about workplace behavior. Uh, so that, that's really substantially different. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, I see your point that especially, and I think also in Jack Smith's case, I think it's uh, also like people were pointing out that while I don't think he was writing about, he, I don't think he was covering gender issues for Mike. I think he was kind of extensively positioning himself as a, male feminist on Twitter and as a kind of, you know, ad- advocate for women and uh, uh, as a kind of, you know, big time supporter of me too. So I think the hypocrisy angle, um, I think, can be pursued from that standpoint. I mean, if that's part of his public image, is it appropriate to go after that? But again, I mean, the thing that I would um, that I would uh, point out here is that we do currently seem to have a double standard with regard to this uh, to these issues. Because I mean, I I really, I honestly, imagine if this was an article that was directed at a female journalist. I I think a lot of people would be not only completely aghast, but would be rallying to her side. And saying that you know, like essentially, she's being slut shamed. Well, like she, I don't, it, I don't know if if the article was just like this female media minor media figure like sleeps around a lot, then that would be slut shaming. If it was like this minor female media figure, uh, you know, berates men and psychologically manipulates them and demands to look at their driver's license to know like their exact age, and oh yeah, yeah. also like one time like. Uh, started choking a man during sex. Yeah, I like I, I think that people would be like. Yeah, I mean, the know, thing is that a lot of like a lot of the stuff like beyond the um the, the I mean the only thing that it really does seem to be kind of corroborated by the text messages, for instance, says that he does kind of like you know hook up with women and then uh, kind of like not uh, uh, not not. Uh, uh, pay a lot of attention to them afterwards, or you know, not not be very available. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm uh, I'm on the fence about those because you know, I, uh, I guess we don't really have a, t- a completely parallel test case uh, to see how would be how a female um, you know public figure would be treated in that situation. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I kind of suspect that the reaction would be very different. So, you know, that's, that's one of my issues. And I guess the other is just generally, you know, uh, how far do we go when we, you know, kind of declare open season on, um, uh, you know, people who are public figures and, you know, how well do we vet allegations? I mean, you know, in this case, for instance, again, 
the woman who I think has the most serious accusations, I think she's the one who's accusing him of choking, although I'm not really sure, is the one that he was accusing of stalking him. And, you know, the one who was kind of behaving in ways that, you know, arguably could be labeled a stalkerish, you know, who was kind of like, uh, you know, following up on a lot of stuff that he was doing on the social media to see if he was dating somebody else, you know, who was... So, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, do we open the way for possibly for somebody who is actually the abuser to, you know, vilify someone in order to destroy their career? I mean, you know, I think that's entirely possible. It's... uh it's kind of a dangerous route to go down, especially when we're not like vetting allegations uh, carefully. And I think a lot of these allegations were really not vetted very carefully. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's it, it, it's a um, it, it's a really kind of weird dilemma. And uh, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just really wary of policing people's private lives unless we're talking about actual, you know, criminal activity, which uh, in this case, again, like other than that one completely, uh, you know, not only uncorroborated, but really unconfirmable, you know, allegation of choking, uh, there really doesn't seem to be any, you know, any even so much as an allegation of uh, of criminal activity. So I don't know. I mean, I think this is uh, this is really quite disturbing to me. And I think this could have uh, this could have a fallout. Uh, and I think, you know, repercussions that uh, uh, we're really. Well, what if, what if the fallout <laughs> is. At this point, I mean, you know, this is going to be like mutually assured destruction. Well, okay, so what if the fall? What if the fallout is that other young men who work in the media who like to hook up with different girls in like the three neighborhoods in Brooklyn where all these people live uh, start <laughs> deciding that you know what, maybe I won't spend all night screaming at this woman uh, about her driver's license. Um, maybe yeah, I'll just say, uh, thank you for that. a nice evening. That's and, the whole thing. I mean, do, do we know that this actually happened? I mean, I mean, you... I mean why, I, these seem weird things to make us, to invent. And the fact that there's like four people in this article who are quoted, uh, attesting to Jack Smith, the fourth's like, uh, bad, bad moral character, like, you know, kind of more or less conf- confirms it for me. Um, but, but it I seems mean, like it could have a salutary effect in, in some respects of being like, yeah, uh, you know, uh, men stop acting, stop acting like fucking assholes towards young women. Like, like 50 years ago, uh, this kind of behavior, the woman would have no recourse. Uh, now the woman can tweet about it. And, and, then, you know, you would have to deal about that too. And of course, uh, you can tweet something that isn't true, as we all know, and no, isn't tweeting something okay. that is true. Um, so that's we can't okay. just automatically believe it. Um, okay, we're, we're, we've gone a little overtime. Do you still want to talk about Jordan Peterson or do you want to, um. Maybe, let's do it another time because I actually do have some work to do. So. Okay, so, uh, Jordan Peterson, yeah. a conversation save for another, for another time. Yeah. Sorry, we'll, everyone. We'll do this again. People on the internet love when I talk about Jordan Peterson and they love telling me how wrong I am about Jordan Peterson and that I really need to read his 
book Maps of Meaning and watches lectures, <laughs> and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but Kathy, thank you yeah, for, maybe, for coming on. Yeah, like may, maybe by the time that we do talk about Jordan Peterson, I will actually uh, write another article because I have actually I did write a couple of things about Jordan Peterson, but I've been sort of meaning to write something longer. Um, uh, so, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe by the time that we revisit this, I will actually be in a better position to uh, <laughs> to discuss Jordan Peterson. And uh, I mean, I actually did. Um, I haven't read Maps of Meaning. I did read um, uh, the, the uh, 12 Rules uh, for Life. The, the, yeah. Is it the 10 rules or 12 rules? I, 12 rules. <laughs> 12 rules, right. Okay, so the 12 rules for life. I did read that. Uh, so I can I can at least discuss that. Um, but anyway, yeah, let's do this again, definitely. Okay, uh, so Kathy, you are on Twitter. What is your Twitter uh, handle? It is KathyYoung63. Um, so check her out there and um, other links to uh, the stuff we've, we've mentioned will be yeah. below. My stuff at reason.com. I've also, I also have a bunch of articles uh, on the forward. Um, you know, you can uh, uh, find me at Newsday, you know, newsday.com. Uh, so, you know, uh, I think that's about it. Okay, cool. And uh, I'm on Twitter. Star Digital is, is, is another one, which is a medium, and uh, the, their Twitter handle is ArcDigi. A-R-C-D-I-G-I, so you can find all of their stuff there. Okay, cool. And uh, I am on Twitter at A-R-Y-E-H-C-W, and uh, follow me there. So uh, thank you, Kathy. Thanks to all of our viewers and listeners, and we'll see you again next time. Before you go, a quick message from the suits at Blogging Heads TV. Blogging Heads will always be free for you to watch and listen to, and we don't even go the NPR route of guilting you into donating during Pledge Week. But we do have a small request. If you enjoy Blogging Heads programming, rate and review us on iTunes. The iTunes algorithm weighs positive reviews heavily, so taking a few minutes to rate and review us will help more people find out about our shows. Also, of course, we encourage you to subscribe to our Twitter and Facebook feeds. Thank you.